previously on Back to the Bins. You are who? I am the All-Father Odin. Odin does not need a resume. I have come to mm, try my hand at earthly jobs. I grow weary in Asgard. You don't seem to have grown weary of having that filthy raven on your shoulder. It's you, okay. you, you, you will it... be cleaning up after that thing, right? Odin does not clean a raven poop. I, I'm really not stupid. What is that? A phony eye patch? Give me this thing. What the get, hell is get, that? Don't hand me, knave! This week on Back to the Bins. Yeah, so we've been getting some good response on these intern bits. Russell likes them, a few other people like them. That that uh, that Odin one was pretty good, you know, with that whole Modoc and, you know, you get smited and stuff. So uh, Yeah, I, I think you just like you that think? I get smited. It's, you know. Well, it's not every day. I mean, I'm usually you're the one that ridicules me. So, yeah, so, um, so you, keep, right writing, I you keep writing these bits so that I get smited. Or, or would it be smoke? <laughs> not me. Come yeah. on. Yeah, okay, whatever. Well, you deserve to be right, smoked. Just, I'll just be go, right back. Just I gotta go get some so we could record a show, all right? I gotta get some do. You you look at that list of new interns or whatever. Alright, what do we got here? Yep. Hello? Who's in charge of this establishment? Uh that's me. How dare you imitate the All-Father? First of all, Bill, I didn't imitate the All-Father. Second of all, Bill, who do you think you're kidding? I mean, look at this, this phony raven here, and and this this eye patch, this thing isn't real. What the hell? Stop, come on, this is just a joke. Impertinent mortal. Stop, you know, just Paul, 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 what are you doing? Bill. What's going on? What is the guy doing in the onesie over there? Holy... It's like he just woke up. Oh, God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. This is our Thor score. And seven years ago, we had Tom Harris on here. And Tom is back. Welcome aboard, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure. You're one of our co-Thor specialists, as you and Gene <laughs> Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Aha. For, for yes. all, all things Norse. Hey, well, you know, it's good company all around. So, and of course, I am welcome. Uh, we, I am joined, as always, by Dr. Bill Robinson. Yes. Hey, I, hey, hi, hey, Tom. Um, you have you ha- have to excuse. I have the Asgardian Ragnarok laundry going on in the background, so <laughs> it's so, uh, it's laundry night again. So, uh, you know, we've long wondered, like, what's what the H is in Scott H. Gardner. So for, t- for tonight, the H is Harris. Oh, really? I thought it would be Hogan. 
or the Hulk. Well, but neither of them were on the show. And I, I just, you know, I would love just once for Chris, Chris Hemsworth to go, Hogan! <laughs> Hogan! So we might as well talk a little bit about, uh, about this movie and, you know, what we expect. And I don't really have any spoilers, so I don't know if either of you do. So I might, we might as well just kind of... Figure that Guess out. Guess what first. I've seen in the trailers. That's all. Same yeah, here. Same here. Okay, good. So we can pretty much talk openly about everything we do know about the movie, only because you know there's no fear of any uh, any spoiling. But I, I just know, like when the, the trailer first landed, uh, you know, my my normal attitude is, if I know I'm going to see the movie, I really don't want to see anything, because I don't want to spoil anything. I'd like to go in as fresh as possible. But a lot of times with the first trailer, I'm willing to suspend that rule. It's as we get closer to the movie where I feel like they really start, you know, giving out stuff. So I did watch that first trailer, and I got to tell you, I was so psyched. As much as I want to keep myself relaxed and calm and not have my expectations too high, my expectations are through the roof right now. What are you guys? Well, I, uh, what are you guys thinking? I think the. I think the music choice in that first trailer was awesome, using the immigrant song, you know, come from the land of the ice and snow. It was just, you know, and the whole smashing the hammer and the look of Hela, and then she has the horns. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I, I definitely have to say that uh, certainly after that first trailer, I was really, really looking forward to seeing what else they're going to come up with. And, and as time has gone on, you know, we've gotten a little bit more here and there. And it, and it seems like maybe the, the emphasis is shifting a little bit and it's going to be more more humorous than, than serious. But, yeah, there's a place for that. I'm just, just hoping that they, they find that right balance. I've, I've feared that on occasion. Uh, certainly I was afraid of that with the second Guardians movie, that they were going to overdo the humor. Mm. And they definitely had it full of humor, but I don't think they overdid it. I think they did find the right balance. When Ant-Man first came out, I had some concerns that the humor wouldn't age well, because there was a lot of humor in that one as well. But so far, you know, I guess we're two years removed from that now. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah, uh, and, and it's, it's still holding up very well as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, so far so good. I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what they're processes and how they put these things together and what kind of checks and balances they have but i gotta think that they're pretty meticulous about it because they've already kind of parted ways with people over creative differences on a couple of occasions and still managed to come out with pretty top flight material a lot of times when you have that kind of uh turmoil it it, it's like a death knell for the quality but in, in you know with the marvel studios so far so good and I, I think I just have to have some confidence that they're not going to do the humor to the point where it's going to lose the excitement or fun of the movie. Well, I've yeah. heard some some of the criticism raised about the Marvel movies is that they're not really getting directors that put their own stamp on things anymore and that it's more of just, can you manage a movie? Can you film this on time? Can you get this under budget? This is what we want you to do. And I don't really know if that's necessarily true because I do see some nuances in the different movies um especially in the captain america movies we've seen you know one was like the 70s spy thriller uh the first one 
with the Winter Soldier, and and I I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think there is a risk of you know just uh, quashing some uh, creativity and potentially having you know a real cookie cutter formula, which some people criticize Marvel of doing, and I don't agree with that criticism because I think they've kind of put together a lot of different types of genres as they've done these superhero movies. So I'm, I'm not on board with that as a criticism, but I've heard it a few times. Uh, in particular, I heard it a lot with the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming where they said, oh, you know, they just Marvel-fied the uh, Spider-Man franchise. And, sure, sure. You know, that there may have some some merit in that they used whatever it is their process is to make that movie but i don't think that movie is a you know a a, uh, replica of movies that have already come by them it's part of the same universe and it's got some of the same feel to it but i don't think it's i don't i don't think it's a duplicate you know duplication where you say oh these are all like the same movie i think each movie has its own little unique feel to it so far uh, I, don't, I don't know how long they can continue to do that because sooner or later they're going to repeat something in the formula. But like I said, so far so good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you there, uh, Paul. And that is that uh, they've actually established a Marvel cinematic style that works reasonably well. But like you say, it's gonna it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a tough time to, to keep from repeating themselves. And especially if you get into like, you know, guardians three and Avengers four and, and all this other stuff going on. Um, it's a, uh, who's that messaging me? Hold on a second. I'm being. Bill. Oh, is that? Oh, sorry. That was the, <laughs> the contact request. My bad. Whoops. <laughs> Completely lost my train of thought because it's time for I have somebody no, else on the show besides me to yell at Bill. No attention span, me. Um, no, but uh, no, I'm easily distracted. Oh, look a squirrel. Um, no, no, but um, I got to my nemesis. <laughs> squirrel. Um, no, but um, no, like I was saying, you know, they've done a pretty good job of balancing it so far, and they're gonna run into problems though if they don't start to mix it up a little bit soon. So I'm hoping that you know, certainly with the next wave of films, um, we're gonna start seeing something a little bit different creeping through. Maybe something a little more serious on one side, a little more silly on the other side. You know, maybe we'll get Howard the Duck again. Maybe we'll get you know something that that is actually a thrill ride. And something that's very suspenseful without having that that sort of fun edge, you know. So so maybe we'll see a little bit more variety. At least that's what I'm hoping. Mm. I, I could agree with you there. Uh, I think we've seen, you know, more serious. I think Winter Soldier was a more serious movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've seen anything that would uh, that you could call a thriller of any sorts, and that might be interesting to see if they can do that within the universe they've created. I think that may be a, a movie that they want to hit on, uh, but I'm not sure which character or characters you would use for that. You know, one of the things... Son of that, Satan! Oh. Yeah, I'd be on board. <laughs> one of the things that, that I think about all of this is they have so much source material. I mean, they have 50-some-odd years of, uh, of material to play with, and... Uh, you know, I don't. I don't see why they would have to run out of original ideas for the cinematic universe. I mean, they've done what now? Fourteen movies, fifteen movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, you know, I, I, they should be able to do a hundred before they start repeating stories. Sure. One of the problems, though, that that I've seen with the superhero movies, and it and it, I think it it really applies more to the to the DC ones than the Marvel ones. But but Marvel's guilty of it too, and that is trying to fit too much into one movie. And that was one of the problems that that I had with Thor two, and and also with Batman v Superman, though that was not comparable in any way. But um, if you try to fit too much in, try to do too much, hey, let's take this successful thing from the series and, and do it, you know, you're going to run out of stuff a lot quicker. That is true. That, that's, you know, that was something we talked about before Winter Soldier came out, as a matter of fact, is that, the, you know, Captain America had a history from 1941, or 1940, I guess, is actually when the first issues came out of that. And... Uh, in the second movie, they already went to Winter Soldier, which was an idea from the 2000s. It's like there's so much source material that you just skipped over to get to that. Now, that doesn't mean they can't reach back and take ideas from the past and just kind of brush them off and, and make them current. But sometimes I, I you know, I, I'm a little concerned about them rushing to do things and, like you say, squeezing a little too much into the movie. Uh, I definitely think the DC movies... Uh, or certainly Batman v Superman was guilty of, you know, we got to get to the Justice League. We don't want to do it organically the way Marvel did. So we're going to just try and cram as much into this movie as we possibly can so that we can go to the Justice League, you know, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think that was one of the problems with that movie as far as I personally was concerned. Of course, there are those who would think that means I didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I understood Let it, it all go. too well. <laughs> so you were just—I was trying trying to think of what type of thriller that they could have. What if they had like the uh, uh, what was it, the Midnight Suns that get together, uh, have them gather, which that was during the '90s, if I recall, and have them like go after a serial killer who is actually someone who's collecting souls for, say, Mephisto. Absolutely, they could do something like that. Now they've already gotten back the rights to the Ghost Rider who they used mm -hmm. on the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. series. And I'm sure with the amount of time that's gone by that they have the rights to Blade again. Mm. So I don't see why they couldn't put together a Midnight Suns movie. And you know, I don't know why this formula doesn't work. I have heard people say that it doesn't. But I don't see why, instead of making a $200 million movie, you can't say, let's make a $75 million movie. So that if the returns aren't as high you still turn a profit. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't well, think look a at thriller, I don't think a thriller necessarily requires a huge special effects budget. I mean, to do Ghost Rider right, I think you have to put a little, you know, you got to spend some on CGI. But they were able to do it on the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. They were able to do it on those, uh, you know, the two Ghost Rider movies. I, I don't think the problem with the two Ghost Rider movies was the special effects. I think the problem was the script and, yeah, to, some extent, <laughs> the, the, and to some extent the casting. Yeah, <laughs> it's for sure. But I don't think it was the special effects. I don't think it's, oh, you know, they spent less money, so it sucked. I think if they had bothered to put together a good script and maybe hire somebody to play Johnny Blaze, who was under 50, uh, <laughs> you know, may, maybe they would have had a chance of a successful movie. But that said... Uh, I am curious, Tom, the last time we talked was in our score episode for uh, for uh, The Dark World. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we never 
talk to you about like you know what you thought of it and you know how how you felt that played. Well, I've kind of touched on it already. Um, I think that they they fell under this this uh, category of trying to fit too much in. Um, one of my big disappointments with with the Dark World was the character of Malekith. Um, and as much as I'm sick of Malekith today, I think I think he's totally overexposed in the comics. Um, the problem that that we had with Malekith is that he wasn't close enough to the original character, um, and they just kind of treated it almost as an afterthought. Um, you know, you have to have a bad guy for the movie. We want that bad guy to be Malekith, but they didn't go into enough uh, detail on you know who he is, why he, you know, what his motivations are, um, and they, they just kind of treated all kind of you know, well, we have to have this happen, so it, it's happening now. Um, you know, I didn't have any particular problems with the, the overarching plot, other than the fact that it was maybe a little bit clumsy, um, and some of the uh, the character stuff I found a little bit annoying. Now, I did a review of the movie for, for my own show, and and, uh, and I actually liked it. I think thought in some ways that the, the Dark World... Um, you know, excelled and, and in some ways even surpassed the first one because you're dealing with, you know, you've already established your character, who your characters are, and you get to let them play a little bit. But um, as a story overall, as a movie overall, it had a weaker script. Um, and as, as much fun as some of the stuff was, it, it just, it's not in the top tier of Marvel movies, in my opinion. It is on the lower end of a group of movies where I liked every single one of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I agree with you, but I'm not willing to damn it with that uh, Sure, sure. I, I, don't, I don't dislike any of the Marvel movies, I'll be honest with you. You know, the, the, there's, there have been none of them that I've hated. I think that Christopher uh, Eccleston was wasted a little bit in that role because Malekith didn't really... He just seemed more like the cardboard cutout villain. He didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't get the real. Like, compare the Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull versus Malekith, it's night and day. And I don't I, think that's yeah. due to the actor. I think that's how it was written. I, I now, agree with you, yeah. Malekith as a character, was he introduced in the Simonson run with the cask of ancient winners and all that, or was he introduced earlier on in the Thor book? Uh, he, he, he was a Simonson creation, and, and he came in for that cask of the ancient winters. Um, uh, you know that that particular story arc, and and, and I don't have anything against Malekith as a character, um, but the fact that he's been the the main villain in the last five years of Thor continuity, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, going into the current series uh, from the previous two series is 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 just too much. I'm, I'm it's gotten to the point where I'm just totally sick of Malekith. <laughs> Malekith overload. Yeah, waves way overload, and and rocks on too. Um, you know, nothing against Jason Aaron, but but he he's like the he's like a dog that uh, you know grabs onto that that chew toy, and he will not let it go. Um, yeah, they, well, they, Roxon they, was big back back in the seventies with Marvel. It was they were the big they were the big villain. Sure, with the, yeah, with the serpent crown and in the mm-hmm. Avengers storylines and yeah, and then know. even even in the alternate universe and the in the Avengers uh, storyline mm-hmm. they were you know they were but they didn't have the the consistent presence in in the Avengers which is where that story was where you know they were the villain every issue you know well <laughs> that's because they didn't have Dario Iger 
Yeah, and, and Agar, I and I do love to I do love to make fun of Dario Agar, um, because because he's he's not a good character, and uh, he's not particularly interesting as far as I'm concerned. But um, you know, people who people who've been listening to my coverage, my sporadic coverage of the uh, current Thor series, are are well aware of my opinion of Dario Agar. We we lose. Oh, there you are. I'm here. I'm here. Ready to go. I think Ready he was taking so- his taking the uh, Thunder Dog outside, right? <laughs> Thunder Mutt. See, I, I kind of fell out of collecting totally during the Simonson run. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, this, believe me, the Simonson run wasn't what knocked me out of it. Uh, but it was just a point in my life where I kind of stopped. And then I was out for close to 10 years. So when the movie came out, I wasn't really all that familiar with Malekith as a character. Because I hadn't been around during his creation. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't so much have a problem with it not being true to the way he was in the comics because I didn't have the, uh, you know, the background to really judge that. My problem was more just that I felt he was a very two-dimensional character who didn't have, you know, his motivations were unclear to some extent. I thought they did get a little bit... Uh, I thought that was there was a misstep as far as the humor goes in that they depended too much on the character of Darcy... Yeah, I, where, where she was funny and cute in the first one, she was just annoying in the second one. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a big that's a big criticism as well. I, I think they could have done without her altogether in the second one. Yeah, uh, for that well, many, another, probably could have gone without Jane Foster too. Mm. Well, another character that I thought was just kind of I don't, I don't really know if it was a waste, but was really portrayed different or didn't seem as as big as he was in the comics was Curse. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the one that basically pulverized. It, uh, wasn't it him that pulverized, or because it was when Thor's bones were, uh, when he had the special armor on to protect his body? Or was that? A, am I m- mixing up my characters? No, I think you're right. Um, the, the the curse was the uh, it, curse is the character that was. He was the uh, um, he was the created elf by that was. Yeah, the, the elf that was was corrupted by Malekith into this this mindless monster. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and he was actually empowered by the Beyonder to that's to, right. to to come to Earth and and fight Power Pack because that's a thing, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> because that's who you want to send after a group of kids. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, interestingly enough, and in the and the issue that I have this week, I mean, we've got all these characters that are in there. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a good thing. I, I especially Bill and I are. We, our, our comics are connected, and uh, it's nice, you know. And ours are in the very early stages of the Marvel development, so it's mm-hmm. nice to have some contrast there. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think your book will contrast well with that. If Scott were here and he had a book, then we'd have even more contrast. But Scott's not here. So yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Scott. Well, you know, Scott. Scott is currently in his onesie in the gardener's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> He's in his little race. He's in, he's in his little Mickey Mouse bed, in his onesie, mm-hmm. in the gardener's sleep. As long as it's a fur onesie, that's that's the thing. <laughs> Let's one of, one of my very favorite moments. I don't know if I talked. I talk, I've definitely talked about this on the show in the past, but uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned it to you, Tom. So it's just one of my favorite things is in the, I guess around the one seventies or so in in Thor, when. Uh, 
<laughs> apparently Odin's power is put into all these little uh, trinkets. You know, there's the Odin sword. If you take that off, it's uh, if you what is it? If you unsheathe it, the world ends. Yeah. Uh, but then there was the Odin ring, which was apparently the source of all his power at one point. So Loki snuck in and stole the Odin ring. So he was ruling Asgard. And then when Odin came over, basically o- o- uh, Loki sent him to bed without supper, and yep. then <laughs> sent him off to the <laughs> sent him off to the Odin sleep. So it was like. Odin was trudging away going, oh, damn, and he put on his pajamas and went to bed. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a little kid who's, who's getting, being sent to bed early. But I don't want to go to bed. Yeah, I, I covered I it on the show. you just covered it, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a few months ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Um, it, it was not the finest of the uh, of the Lee <laughs> Kirby run. Um, and I think that was kind of the, the, first, the first major story after uh, Jack Kirby had left the book. So it was uh, it was Stan Lee still writing it, but but I think it was uh, John Buscema drawing at that point. Yeah, it, it uh, and and we're going to be going back there soon. But um, it, yeah, <laughs> those later uh, Stan Lee issues are, are uh, yeah they're a bit dire. Mm-hmm. Well, and there was a that was around the time, and I don't think that fell squarely in it, but I think that was around the time where they were trying to do a lot of one and dones mm-hmm. instead of continuing storylines. So the the, the characterization really kind of started to fail a little bit because they had to get through a whole storyline in each issue and, you know, whatever, 19 pages. Mm-hmm. Well, the the, uh, the 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 switchover from the Lee Kirby era, the end of the Lee Kirby era, actually came in the middle of a four-part story. Um, and it, it actually began with Stan Lee with, with Jack Kirby art for the first issue. And then, uh, and then it was... Uh, uh, Lee, Lee and Kirby for the for the second issue, and then the 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 end of the story was Stan Lee with art by Neil Adams. So the huge uh, difference in in mm-hmm. tone and everything. And at some point during that whole process, Stan Lee forgot what he was writing. It, it, <laughs> the, the, the the story that began in those in those last two uh, issues with Kirby uh, wasn't the same story that that uh, Neil Adams finished. Um, and and uh, I, and even Neil Adams doesn't remember, you know, because I actually spoke with with Neil about it at a convention, um, and uh, he he doesn't even remember the story that well. I could still, I guess. Uh, I I do point to some of that era, uh, you know, towards the end of Kirby's stay with uh, Marvel. I point to some of the Thor issues as some of his finest work with Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think he really, you know, when he hit his stride, he really did well f- by Thor. Yeah, I think the the uh, the one fifties, one forties, you know, you, you don't get any better than that. Um, and then when you start hitting and getting into the one seventies, you can see that, uh, you know, Jack is on on the edge of leaving, and the the art starts to suffer. They they try to mix it up by bringing in some different inkers on the book, and none of them really quite work. Um, so, and then, then, then the end, it just kind of goes, and he, he leaves halfway through a story, so. Yeah, well, he, he definitely became disenchanted at the end of his Marvel stay. Oh, sure. I, th- I think he held back a little bit on his creativity, too, because he, he knew he was going to leave, and he wanted to save some stuff for when he went over to D.C., and, you know, he, he started there, and he had a, you know, a, just... So many characters that he created in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. 
And, it's a, and, and as much as I love Kirby, because I do love me some Kirby, and I love the stuff that he did at DC as well, um, it, it really was kind of a quantity rather than quality thing at DC. <laughs> I, well, I, I've always said that Kirby's creativity was phenomenal, mm-hmm. but that he needed somebody like Stanley to ground him. Yeah, I've been saying that for years. So when he went to DC and he created the New Gods and the Forever People and... Uh, Commandy and was it uh, his character of Sleepwalker or Sandman rather? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when when he created all of those, you know, they're, they're phenomenal ideas, but he needed somebody to say this is the way to go with the story, because he just did. You know, he didn't know where to take it from a uh, dramatic point of view. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, his his dialogue was poor. Yeah, the one of the one of the things I, I will observe about about Kirby's work at, at DC is that there was one one series in particular that I always hold up as being the pinnacle of his DC work, and it's because he had a strong strong idea of what the story was about, where it was going, who the characters were, and surprisingly enough, it's not what people normally think. The book I'm actually thinking of is the Forever People. Mm-hmm. Um, he he actually seemed to have um, more interest in what was going on in that book than in some of the other books, and so as a result, that book holds together beautifully even now. I may have to revisit that series. In fact, I I, I would love to revisit the entire Fourth World series. Mm-hmm. The problem the problem for me with that is it really does get off to a slow start in Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> and, and some of it's a little just over-the-top silly but you know that said we're not here to do a jack kirby show it's uh you know we're we're here to do a thor show so we we might as well jump into some of that right now and unless anybody has anything else they want to touch on before we do that let's do it all right so our earliest issue if we're going chronologically will be you bill all right um I, wait, I have a book? Amazing. I know, I know. <laughs> well, it's an Avengers book, so of course I'm using a pre-canned synopsis. But hey, I've been busy today. <clears throat> so I'm going to be covering Avengers number three, and I was doing a little quick research. So now between our commentaries and our Avengers spotlights, we have covered uh, issue one, issue one and a half, issue two we covered in a commentary. This will be issue three, and we covered issue four, technically, in a commentary. We've covered the first four, well, five, if you count that one and one half, issues of the Avengers. Hooray! Not that anybody cared. (laughs) Well, this will be the first one that we're doing that's not an Avengers Spotlight episode. Yeah, this is true. This is true. And we've done other Avengers ones on regular Back to the Binge shows, but, but yep. So, yeah, we only have, like, another uh, 500 or 600 more to go. (laughs) Great. So, Avengers number three, and it it came out in January 1964. Paul, where were you in 1964 in January? In January of 64, I probably was in a playpen somewhere. Ah, I see. So, yes, I was still negative five. Tom? I could have been friends with young Tom Harris at that time, since we were like just about the same exact age. I, I was uh, in what nineteen January sixty four. You say? Mm-hmm. I was walking at that point, um, so uh, yeah, I was probably getting into everything. Ah, 
Just yeah, like think, a little, uh, like a little Loki. Exactly. Back the, for back to the binge trivia, Tom and I, I think, are four. You and I, I think, are four days apart. I think that's oh. true. Yep. Yep. Wow. I'm just slightly older than you, if I recall rightly. That, that's that's my recollection as well, and I, I just I cherish people who are older than me, <laughs> <laughs> just because there's so few of them in podcasting. <laughs> Yes, I pick up my wife because she's a month older than me. I tell her she's the older woman. She always appreciates that. She's a cradle robber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a cougar. Wow, wow. You're her boy toy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do this, do that, work, make money. Chop, chop, chop. But anyway, enough about my personal life. Uh, the, uh, our cover is by, what, Art Semic? No, that's the letters. Wait a minute. This, this book is high. That's Jack Kirby. Oh. Obviously, it's Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby, I'm thinking, aired, uh, I'm thinking, uh, inked by J- Dick Ayers. Yeah. And, and, and looking at the cover, the submariner's face is very cartoonish. Look at his nose. Well, so is, so is Iron Man. He's got, like, a surprised look. Ooh. I think this is... Oh, this is when he switched over to the uh, Model 2 armor as well. Because he, he had the big uh, clunky armor uh, in the previous ones. The one that had the solar power. Remember You, you remember that gag from... Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'll use my solar power and travel across the, the states. Okay. In ro- with my roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that thing's on autopilot, Tony. So, with our cover, we, sh- we show Ant-Man. I don't even see the Wasp in there. I don't know if she's even in this book. He's really not Ant-Man in that one, either. No, he's Giant-Man. Did I say Ant-Man? Wow. You, you did. Uh, hey, well, what, what do you know? The washing machine finally stopped. Maybe I can think now. So, anyway, Thor, Iron Man, and Giant-Man are smashing. Well, it looks like they're coming out of a tunnel while the Submariner and the Hulk are smashing through a wall towards them. And it says, this is the issue you've been waiting for. It's only issue three. <laughs> the Hulk and Submariner versus the Avengers. One of the greatest battles of all time. And our story is the Avengers meet the Submariner. Written, of course, by Stan Lee. Art by Jack Kirby. Paul Reinman is inks. Sam Rosen is letters. And Art Simic did the letters on the cover. Our synopsis goes like this. And it comes from the uh, my typical cheater book, the official handbook, Marvel Universe, The Avengers. During an Avengers meeting, Iron Man consults unsuccessful... During an Avengers meeting... Uh, you'll edit all this out, right, Paul? Yeah, right. Oh, son, yeah. son of a... During an Avengers meeting, Iron Man consults unsuccessfully via projector with the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and the X-Men over the Hulk's location. Later in New Mexico, Rick Jones... Bitch. Bitch. Discovers the Hulk and takes him to Bruce Banner's lab, where they can change the Hulk back into Banner. The change doesn't last long, though, and the Hulk smashes out of the cave. Rick, bitch, reaches Iron Man, who contacts the other Avengers. They battle the Hulk in the desert, but the Hulk escapes by disappearing into a train tunnel. Woo-woo! Hulk, Hulk ride train. The Hulk makes his way across the country and ends up in the Atlantic Ocean, where a passing freighter picks him up, but not before the Submariner locates him. When the Hulk jumps ship, <laughs> Namor intercepts him and they agree to join forces to battle the Avengers. They challenge the Avengers to meet them at Gibraltar. Okay. 
The Avengers respond and battle the Hulk and Namor. And a dog barks. In the heat of battle, the Hulk reverts back to Bruce Banner and abandons his and abandons his partner. Namor, unable to battle all the Avengers alone and on land, breaks free and escapes, swearing to continue the fight against the Avengers and all mankind. Next issue. Captain America. Ba, ba, ba. Although it doesn't say that, but we know it. Well, so what, I, what'd you think? Actually, I remember this. This, uh, I think this was done in a what if that I seem to remember more. And I think it was because all the Avengers die, and then I think um, Iron Man creates like the Iron uh, Avengers. Do you guys remember that? Oh, oh yeah, yes. I do remember yes. that. Yeah. That was a good I think, issue. I think it was this battle that caused that too. Like, like they, uh, Banner teamed up with Namor, and they basically took the Avengers out. Mm-hmm. So but, ultimately, it it, beco- it ends up becoming the Iron Avengers in that issue because mm-hmm. uh, what's Tony Stark comes up with armors for himself. Uh, giant oh, that's Man, right. Wasp, he, he comes and, up with and Rick that. Jones, bitch. Yeah, that's right. And then what? what they're they're kind of t- taken out, um, and I think. Somebody was it the wasp had to use her bio stings to bring, I think Hank back because he was, or was it Tony? Because Tony's well, Tony ends up dead at the end. Right, that's right, and they all agree to continue on as as the Avengers. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Stark didn't have very good luck in those uh, early what if ish- issues. <laughs> I think he, I think he uh, died in more often than not. Well, Especially I think, I think what if by its very nature often led to people dying because. They, they were able to do that with the characters, you know? They didn't have to worry about continuity or the next issue. You could just kill people off for the sake of uh, adding a little drama. Well, you know, there was the one where, where Stark was, uh, where he, instead of being an alcoholic, he was an overeater. Yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, we, we got some nice Kirby art in here. It's... Mm. Uh, we... It's a little inconsistent, and I particularly, as I was going through it, I particularly go to page. Where you, is it? Do you think it's the inker, though? Uh, I'm looking at page 12, bottom right corner. 12 of the art? 12 of. Oh, excuse me, 17 of the book, not of the art. Oh, okay. Do you see where, what I'm talking about? Where Thor's wrapped up in a cable, or where the Hulk's throwing the flower bags out, and he uh, looks yeah. like a little Abner character? Yeah, I don't think you're on this. Yeah, we're, 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 I don't see wrapped up in a cable, but uh, the submariner drags the Hulk out of the water, and then in the next panel, the bottom right is just a, a shot of the heads. And he oh, that one. Like okay, a, he does look like a little Abner character, actually. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at those eyebrows on uh, on Namor. It's like, jeez, dude. <laughs> Did you pencil them things in or what? I want to be alone. But that's—I think that's—that's that's my point, though. It's a little inconsistent in the art. Now, where, just to to kind of break through to uh, to our uh, you know our our second book, where in this book does my book take place? Uh, that's what I was trying to figure out before we we got on a little earlier, and I hadn't quite figured that out yet. Because I know, because the peek behind the curtain, your book will, because Thor's sitting down in in your book and retelling, uh, like he's asked by the kids, 
you know, which one is stronger, you or the Hulk? Mm-hmm. And then he begins so, to. Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to go too much into it, but uh, it looks to me like it takes place shortly after page 13. Yeah, because it shows he's fighting uh, with Namor, like uh, Namor and Iron Man are fighting in your book, and then we cut back to my book. This is riveting, riveting podcasting, folks. Riveting. <laughs> so your book was here, but my book was there. So I don't know. Anyway, let's just get back to this book. Yep, I'm sorry to to, <laughs> to to bring us off on that tangent, but it's just something I'm looking through it because I, I I had thought it was a more obvious point, but apparently not. Well, I guess uh, Iron Man decides to be the ultimate warrior and just project himself all over the city. <laughs> just popping in in the middle of, uh, you know, the thing, trying on a, a smoking jacket with a... Or, well, it looks like he's got a smoking jacket because he's putting like a scarf on, but he's getting ready to go out, you know, incognito like he did in those days. Like nobody would ever notice the big orange guy. with a Well, we just put a green hat on him and purple overcoat nobody will ever notice him and then he comes like the the middle of of an experiment with the fantastic four and then he scares the bejesus out of spider-man pops up in the middle of the danger room with the x-men beast's feet are going through him it's like hey (laughs) (laughs) i'm surprised that professor x didn't mind wipe him there he probably didn't because he was just a uh projection you know he 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 was trying he's going damn that tony stark we're gonna make him an alcoholic <laughs> i'll teach you <laughs> to come in the middle of my training sessions you saw professor a- x's fault <laughs> so now look looking at uh at this this little montage that you're talking about to me there is kind of the example of why steve ditko was much better suited to drawing spider-man than kirby as as much as i think kirby is one of the greatest artists of all time his Spider-Man just doesn't have the same appearance as, as Ditko's. <clears throat> he he, he no, had trouble he, with some of the webbing. Oh, no, it he, doesn't look good. He doesn't have the... Yeah, that looks like somebody in like a Spider-Man... Uh, Spider-Man? Spider-Man? Spider-Man, Spider-Man <laughs> Halloween costume. It's just, you know... I've seen cosplays that look better. <laughs> than he does on... Poor Jack. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I it just I'm calling it like I see it on this one. I mean, I mean, just, other panels aren't bad, but yeah, but yeah, I, that it wouldn't. Mm. And then uh, the beginning of page five, I don't know what the hell happened to Iron Man's face. Did he smash up against a wall on his way back or something? Because <laughs> he just kind of like you know he he obviously has no nose right there. <laughs> I'm gonna blame that one on the inking. Hmm. I mean, the rest of the characters don't look too bad. But, yeah, it's just the way that Iron Man's got his face turned. Oh, Rick Jones meets up with Wilfred Brimley there. (laughs) There's some kind of monster loose back there. Biggest creature I ever saw. I'm going to go notify the police right now and take my diabetes medicine. And Hulk looks like he's... How deep is that water? He's, like, got his whole arm down there. Oh, yeah, and he pulls out a Jeep. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, me found collector's item. Hmm. I do picture, I picture the Hulk in this as sounding 
like he did in the uh, 1960s cartoons. <laughs> I like when they do the transformation and they show his skin to be you know, partly flesh tone and partly green, mm -hmm. which they do on page seven when he's turning back into the Hulk. He looks, yeah, and he's kind of got that gray, gray or like pale ashen color to it, and then he, then he goes uh, full human. And his pants aren't fitting either. Imagine that. We're going to be hearing more about the Hulk's pants in a little bit. <laughs> and then, then he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he... He wakes up as the Hulk, but he almost looks like somebody. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Like a, like a possible movie star of the time, but maybe with changed features. In which shot? Uh, the top of page seven. In, in which, but which one? There's three different shots there. Well, the final one. Uh, you know who? You know who he looks like. He, he's an actor that's around today. Brian Thompson. He, you may not know, know the name, but if I showed you the face, you'd go, "Oh yeah." I don't he, know the name. He was the guy. Oh, he played the. Uh, I believe he played the lead villain in Cobra. Cobra. No, not that Cobra. Stallone Cobra. He was in Buffy. He's been You're the in, disease and I'm he, the cure. He, he's been in the X-Files. He was one of the aliens in the X-Files. Brian Thompson. Is anybody okay. Googled? Are you, are you I Googling? Just look, I, I just Googled him. Yay, yeah, nay. It's, it's, yeah. although, although that wouldn't be the case here because he would have been... Brian Thompson's about my age or, you know, it, I don't think he's that old. So uh, I'm totally off in left base. Left field. Oh, it, it certainly wasn't a uh, a case where Kirby was using him as a model. Yeah, well, obviously, but it just... He would have been like two. <laughs> Might have been one ugly kid. No, it was a really skillful age progression. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, and then Hulk just smashes right on out of there. And just, just one more to, to point out in the art, in the last page of the story, in the very center picture. What's Namor doing? Uh, he's just so happy that he I'm got thinking, wet. I'm thinking he could use some prunes. Water at last! Water! Oh, laxative! Laxative! Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's got the water enema, maybe. Ooh. <laughs> that That's that's just a strange-looking picture. <laughs> I was just trying to re-sing the, the Namor song, trying to do an enema. Namor from Atlantis with the enema in the deep. <laughs> Somewhere, Kirk, Kirk is getting very angry at me right now with with the name with, with the Namor podcast. <laughs> so just just to focus a little bit on the Thor Hulk throwdown, which is kind of our motif for this episode. Uh, going to page twelve, uh, actually, what is it? Twenty three of the story, which is I think where my story comes in. <clears throat> yeah. Of, uh, Thor, uh, Thor being attacked by the Hulk and the Submariner, and the big thing in that page is the Hulk trying to wrest Mjolnir from Thor mm -hmm. and being unable to do so. Yep, and then uh, late at the bottom, it looks like Namor and Thor are doing the twist together or something. Twist again, like you did last summer. So I, I had remembered this as having, like I said earlier, kind of a seamless spot to have the extended story that mine is, but 
it doesn't really play that way as you read this. It was it was interesting how they went from issue two to issue three, where now they were presenting the Hulk as a villain, though. Yeah, because he because at the end of two, there was the whole big uh, you know the I don't want to say confusion, but well, I guess it was confusion with the Space Phantom, who was pretending to be the Hulk. And uh, the hilarity that ensued there. See our commentary for that issue. Or, or listen to it. Or listen to it. Or listen to the prophets. You can Whatever. see it and listen to it. See, well, that yeah, true. that's right, because it is a commentary. You can go find it yourself and listen to us babble about it. I think While babbling, we were mildly drunk. Babbling is a fair word. Bunch of grown men drinking Mike's Hard Lemonade, watching cartoons. <laughs> what could be better... On a Saturday. Well, Sounds like my typical day. weekend. <laughs> All right, do we want to... Uh... I mean, yeah, that's pretty much... This is just one big, long fight book all the way through. But, uh, I mean, it's got a couple... Uh, I, I guess I'll I'll do the grading. Uh, cover. I, actually, other than a little bit of derfiness on... Namor's face and the surprise expression on Iron Man. I mean, the, I think the cover is pretty good, and I would have to go with. I would give this one a B plus. Uh, the interior art, mm, some of it's a little off, but you know, it's it's a it's a good old timey Marvel book. Um, I, I think I'm gonna go. Yeah, the little Abner looks of the Hulk, like on page 13, and, and the other one that you pointed out, Paul. Eh, I'm still going to give it about a C plus on the art. And the story, you know, they're 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 chasing the Hulk. And I, I think it's kind of c- contrived just to kind of get, get the rest of the Marvel Universe. You know, how it was, they had all the connectivity back then, just trying to keep everything kind of cohesive and showing the whole universe. But maybe forcing a little too much in. So I'm going to give the story, uh, I think, a C-plus as well. So that's looking at a like a C-plus, B-minus for me. All right. Tom, you want to go or do you want to... I can't grade on? it because because I don't have a book to look at. Oops. <laughs> oh. Oops. Sorry about that. Okay. I don't think you guys have my book to look at either, do you? Um, I might. Oh, okay. I might, Rabbit. I might. Well, I I'll uh, I'll give the cover on this. I like the layout of the cover. I just don't think the finishing work is all that strong. So I'm going to say a C plus on the cover. Uh, I kind of have the same feeling on the interior artwork. I think there's some pictures that don't hold up as well. I think who, who ain't this one? Is this Chick Stone? No, no, hold on. I just had it. I took oh, my glasses P. Reinman. Off. I, I don't even really know Reinman. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I Paul, think the inking Paul, on this... Yeah, Paul Reinman. Yeah. I, I don't think the inking, inking is very good on this. I don't think it complements Kirby well. So I'm also going to say a C-plus on the interior art because I think better inking would have made this a much stronger issue. Uh, from a story point of view, to me it's classic Marvel's you know, a Silver Age book with, you know, a lot of a lot of silly tropes in it, but overall really enjoyable. 
it's a lot of story crammed into a punchy punchy run run story so I'm gonna say a B minus on the story and overall I'll give the book a C plus so Tom you want to give your review sure I think that uh, art wise it's uh, a bit substandard for for the era even um obviously during this time jack kirby was drawing everything in the world but uh there's some things that uh really uh kind of come out and and show themselves as being yeah um one of them is the pinup the uh, avengers meet the submariner uh, on this in the uh, splash page um some of these faces are uh, a little bit scary um this uh paul reinman character he actually uh, was was an inker on some of the early thor stuff and uh i i don't remember his stuff on thor as being particularly uh bad i'm looking at this art and i it, to me it looks like kirby is really rushing um and that could be part of the problem but uh you know then again he's got 10 million other books to draw um, certainly, uh, you know the story. Why story is a very, very by the numbers uh, sort of early Marvel Silver Age story, but it's still fun. I mean, and the fact that they're uh, coming in and, and doing their shared universe thing, where we have the X Men appearing, we have you know Spider Man appearing, is as weird as he looks here. Um, you know, it's it's something new and exciting, and I think for that reason that that brings up my my total grade. Uh, plus, I kind of knock it down a grade because of uh, Rick Jones. But uh, I'm going to say uh, um, I'm going to give this uh, for art. I'm going to give it a B minus, uh, down to a C maybe. Uh, Story wise, I'm going to say you know again I think a, a B minus down to down to a C. So for an overall grade of C to C minus. All right. So that's normally that would be the end of Avengers number three, and we just move on to another topic. But in this instance, I brought to the table Thor one twelve, which is kind of which is a story that kind of elaborates on what we just saw or heard, depending on how you're doing this. And uh, before I get to it, I'm going to say I do think this is. One of two things. It's either a lack of creativity by the creative team saying, I don't know what to do this month. Eh, let's just expand on that fight. Or it's Kirby and Orly looking back on that and saying, you know, we really missed an opportunity to have a good, you know, good, good battle in there. So why don't we just revisit it? I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, but it's, again, Journey into Mystery number 112. And the cover has an image which almost looks less like a cover and it looks like it should be inside the issue uh, where the Hulk is the Hulk and Thor are kind of squaring off and the Hulk has got Mjolnir by its handle and Thor is holding it by the actual hammer end of it and they're struggling over it while the wall behind the Hulk is being knocked over just I guess to show the intensity of the battle and this story is by Stanley and Jack Kirby, with inking by Chick Stone and lettering by Sam Rosen. The story opens up with Thor flying overhead as two groups of, I guess, teens, because your average teens walk around wearing fedoras. Uh, <laughs> Carrying giant uh, Hulk and Thor heads. <laughs> I was going to get into that. There, there's, there's Team Thor and Team Hulk squaring off against each other, arguing who's, who's better, and each... The leader of each uh, group has a big stick 
with a cutout of the face of their hero <laughs> on it. And I like the guy in the back. There's one guy in the background who's saying, Yay, Hulk. <laughs> I just, Thor is boy, the greatest. Thor is stronger than anybody. So they're arguing over who's better and who's stronger, most uh, importantly. And Thor decides to land among them. And uh, killing one see, of them with starts... a hammer as he comes down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, he, he was a little free with hitting people Oof. with a hammer. So he, he starts to talk to them, and then he sits among them in a very melancholy type way. Is that like uh, teen emo Thor there? Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> so uh, they they start saying, you know, who's stronger, you or the Hulk? And the the Hulk people are saying, well, he won't tell the truth. And uh, Thor, apparently, uh, because he's an Asgardian uh, Thunder God, he never lies. So he starts to tell them the story from Avengers number three. And the artwork there picks up kind of from Avengers number three. It shows the Avengers running into the cave. It shows Hulk and Submariner about to uh, let loose with the uh, air horn. Uh, as, a modified as, air raid alarm will destroy any living beings is directed at. What the hell kind of power do they hook up to that? Probably transistors, if I know about oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and magnets. Magnets. Transistors so and magnets. Giant Man grabs a hold of the Submariner and the battle starts. And that's kind of where we leave off from Avengers number three. So uh, Thor then tells the fedora-wearing youngsters that... Uh, there was a lot more to the battle than what they knew about. And we see where the battle between Thor and the Hulk moves inside the cave. And Thor, using a power previously unbeknownst to me, uh, spins among his hammer, or spins his hammer around himself, creating a barrier that the Hulk can't get through, but meanwhile allowing him to have some sort of a mental contact with Odin, who... Uh, is wearing quite this snappy outfit, and uh, he's, he's, he's looking quite tall there. And uh, Thor basically says he wants to fight Hulk on a one-on-one -on -one battle, and will Odin basically demystify his hammer for five minutes to allow them to battle one-on-one -on -one without the hammer. So in one of the dumbest moves possible, once Odin grants his request, Thor throws the demystified hammer at the Hulk, who catches it and starts to try and break it into pieces because it's no longer enchanted. So then he ends up having to fight the Hulk to get him to drop the hammer, which is, again, it was kind of dumb of Thor to throw it at him in the first place. So finally he does get a hold of it and put it into his belt, and the two of them engage in battle. The Hulk grabs a mine from World War II and throws it at him, and it explodes. Then... The Hulk basically attacks in earnest, looking quite fierce as he does. Uh, the two of them do a lot of punchy, punchy, run, run. Odin, who's had time to change his outfit to yet another snappy-looking thing, uh, <laughs> and he's drinking out of a big horn and watching on one of the strangest TV sets ever. It's uh, Thorovision, or as you like to say, as, Tom, the Cosmic Voyeurscope. Yep. Who, who decided the, how to cut the shape of that screen? <laughs> who knows drunk Odin so he's he's watching and impressed with the ferocity of the battle but says you know he can't interfere with the final outcome the two of them 
grab hold of each other, you know, in a kind of a wrestling stance where they're battling and Thor lifts the Hulk off the ground, which makes the Hulk say, no, no, it can't be. You can't lift me off my feet. I'm bigger than you. I'm the Hulk. It's called leverage. It's called strength. (laughs) What is he, the blob? You know, you can't move him once (laughs) he... uh... Yeah, I mean, he, he weighs whatever he weighs. Thor, Thor can lift that. Anyway, uh, for whatever reason, Thor lets himself be distracted, and the Hulk kind of hits him again, throws him into a wall. The The room starts to collapse. Uh, the Hulk fears, I guess, his, that his death is imminent, because he says, no, no, it can't end like this. I won't let it. No. And Thor uses his hammer now to get out. And now we kind of rejoin Avengers number three, where the Submariner is running away from Iron Man, who uh, says he can't continue, must repair chest devices. If transistors stop, I'm doomed. So the Submariner starts to escape, but Thor engages him in battle, and then the Hulk grabs a hold of him as well, which is back to the panel we saw in Avengers number three. Mm-hmm. So now the, pa- the hammer is enchanted again, and it returns to to Thor, and the battle kind of just ends, and Thor admits to the kids that they never did get an answer to their question. But then we cut to Hulk in the desert, and it says, And days later, in a lonely desert area of the great southwest, the strongest mortal creature on earth shuffles forth, lost in his own dark cloud of thoughts. Now this is days later. I must find Thor someday. I must crush him. (laughs) As only I can. So, so apparently, Hulk is now obsessed with crushing Thor. <laughs> and that's why he's angry all the time. He holds a grudge. So, you know, they're definitely presenting the Hulk as a villain here, which is one of the things I mentioned in the last issue. I don't know where we are in the timeline and how much time passes between this point and when he starts to appear in his own series again in uh, Tales to Astonish. I'm assuming we have about a year or so in there because I'm not sure that Stan Lee knew what to do with the Hulk right now. His series had failed and was canceled. So he still wants to use him, but he's using him as a villain right now because I think he doesn't know if he can use him as a hero anymore. So I you know, I, I think it, it eventually doesn't create a continuity problem because they create that you know, multi-personality uh, uh, issue for the Hulk. So I think they're okay with him being villainous at this point and heroic in others. But I just think there is, you know, like in the early issues of Thor where uh, Stanley didn't seem to know which way to go with the character, whether to make him a superhero or a mythological figure so much. I think the same thing is going on with the Hulk here, where where Stan Lee doesn't really know what to do with him. And like I said also, I'm not sure if this was a creative book or a lack of creativity book. <laughs> but that said, I did enjoy the throwdown, and I, I just you know thought it was well done. It is a story of punchy, punchy, run, run, but to me it was fun. And what do you guys think? 
I think this is a great issue, um, and I really, I really enjoyed covering this on my show. Um, the compare the artwork to what we had in, in the Avengers number three story, and this is just head and shoulders above this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kirby at this point has really started to fire in all cylinders. Um, you know, every panel is more dynamic. Um, there is a little bit of wonkiness, and you can see, actually, there's a couple of frames where it's obvious that, that there have been faces redrawn. Uh, to, to my eye, it looks like they were redrawn by Marie Severn, but that, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, but uh, I, I think that's a, it's a great little one-and-done story. They, they fit it in into the Avengers continuity in a place where they could, um, and it works. So I'm, I'm going to give this one a uh, you know a minus. Okay, we won't even rate it yet. Jumping the gun a little on me. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, the, uh, at the but I'm top, not going to tell you I disagree with that. At the top of four, I think it is the uh, the one where Namor is uh, grabbing Iron Man's fist. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nice shot with them in the background, and and see that's the way Iron Man should be drawn. His face it's it still looks. It's still flat, but it's, you know, from this... This is almost the same angle as that other shot, but at the other shot, it was just like... It looked like somebody smashed his face right into a wall. Here, it doesn't look that way. It looks much better. And I'm going to give a lot of the credit to Chick Stone inking this as opposed to Reinman. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the inking job, I think Chick Stone kind of went frequently with a thicker line here than what I normally would like. Mm -hmm. But... It works very well. It was very effective in this particular issue. So, you know, it just shows you that, that, you know, you have to look at the individual issues. You can't just pick one style or whatever. Uh, On the splash page, down at the bottom right-hand corner, is that Kirby? Sure looks like him. Or... And that same panel facing in the other oh, direction, yeah. in on the other end, the, the total other side in the middle, it's two Jack Kirby's facing off in there. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'd like to think that that's an accident, but <laughs> I, I think it is an accident, but I would enjoy it more if I found out that it wasn't. <laughs> that he was intentionally doing that. I get a big kick out of them having the cutout heads on po- on on. <laughs> You know, poster sticks hanging, holding up. It's like giant popsicles. Yeah, it's a very, very, very calm Hulk in the uh, in the cutout. Calm Hulk, sleepy Thor. (laughs) Yeah, I I do agree with you, Tom. That the artwork in this is just no question much, much better than than it was in the previous issue. Uh, I do get a kick. I, I always get a kick out of the Odin outfits. Yeah, um, back especially during this era uh, on, uh, on my own show, um, I had the uh, drinking game where where you drink every time Odin changed his clothes uh, because th- th- he would just change his clothes multiple times in an issue. Or if you watch the uh, Thor 1960s cartoon, he'll, they'll show him in different outfits during the same conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a recipe for alcohol poisoning. <laughs> To uh, to kind of jump a little off topic for a second, did you guys have either of you seen or read the new Marvel Legacy book that came out? No, I have not. All right, never mind. Then I'll be quiet. I'll let you read it if you so desire. Because uh, yeah, that never mind. That's all I'll say. Just 
leave us hanging. Well, there's a early, 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 early version of the Avengers in that book, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really want to. It's like in the first one or two pages. It's like one million BC, and uh, somebody wields a hammer. Okay, interesting. Or when we, if we, you know, just harken back to our discussion from earlier. In the first issue of New Gods, didn't they have a dead god with Thor's helmet? Hmm. Wasn't it where they, they say you know, the old gods are dead or something like oh, that? Oh, I see. They have all laying there, and, hmm. and one of them, I think, I believe one of them has Thor's helmet, so that, you know, he was gotcha. kind of pissing on, pissing oh, on Marvel yeah. <laughs> when he went to DC. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but that wouldn't surprise me. I like that uh, Thor gets a... Um, page was it it's uh he does the yeah it's the top of page 10 of the art uh second panel in he gets the captain kirk flying drop kick on the hulk yes well actually no he he pushes off from the wall sorry yeah now he's actually pushing off from the wall i but it it just reminds me of that flying kirk drop kick that william shatner always loved to do that is just Which is not big, that effective. Which is big in professional wrestling, but in real life it... Not so much. Not, yeah, it doesn't really do... I think I much. tried that once. Yeah, not so much. Uh, I will say that the uh, this, uh, the, this uh, you know, flying dropkick uh, is, is catching the Hulk in a very sensitive area. <laughs> the lump. Oh! Yes, it is. Right in my green giblies. Those are angry, too. <laughs> Well, and the, the Hulk kind of gets a little revenge voice. on him. <laughs> Hulk not happy. On uh, the last panel of page 12, Hulk says, In your face, Thor, and kind of gives him a little taste of it again. <laughs> Hulk, no shower. <laughs> not so fresh. Enjoy. I, b- I believe the term for this is teabagging. <laughs> Tea bag, the tea god. <laughs> Poor Thor. Thor couldn't stand it so much he had to run his face into a wall. <laughs> Two panels later. <laughs> I gotta get the stench out. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I've never, now I'll never undo it. <laughs> Zones. Oh. I, I like uh, I like the uh, um, the shot of Odin here on uh, on page fourteen uh, carrying his hourglass, uh, and his, his hourglass is actually at an angle, so <laughs> the chances of it actually running out of sand is going to be a little slim. And and what is that guy two pay, pay two people back? Is that Satan watching? Is that John? <laughs> is, is that um, the guy? Oh, I saw oh, Satan oh. laughing with delight that, the that. day the music died. <laughs> oh, was that in this issue? <laughs> I didn't know this was the American Pie comic. No, no that's uh, oh, what is the uh, the guy that played Satan on on SNL? John Lovitz. Yeah, yeah, that's John Lovitz in the Satan costume back there. Yes, yes, let the time run out. Yes, Odin. <laughs> yes, you, you gotta you gotta love uh, Kirby's creativity and and you know mixing mixing different types of styles and and uh, you know th- none of this stuff looks Norse at all but uh, but it still works <laughs> yeah see what he's got what is what 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 kind of helmet is that 
That is just I, what I want to. What I want to know even more is this giant escalator in the next panel. Where does that go? <laughs> the mall, the Asgardian mall. It's the Asgardian people mover. There, there is an Asgard shopping center because uh, in one of the uh, the pinups that, that Jack Kirby drew, he actually labeled it. So <laughs> even gods have to shop. That's right. That's where Odin gets all his clothes. Come, him and his entourage went to get more clothing. I've seen it on. Well, as much as as much uh, as he changes his clothes, I mean, he can't be seen wearing the same thing twice. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, Dude, just just imagine his wardrobe. He's like, hmm. Let's see. Uh, there's a destroyer outfit. No, it's uh, <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet. No, wore that last week. No. Yeah, it actually becomes a little bit more uh, boring later on after uh, Kirby leaves the book because uh, uh, John Buscema, who drew Thor for years, um, tended to draw the same outfit on Odin a lot. So there, there might be minor variations, but he kind of kept a standard Odin costume uh, around for a while. Yeah, I, I prefer the different look every time. Right until we get the Odin fuzzy pajamas. It, yeah, the, it, the Odin onesie is adorable. <laughs> In fact, if, they have the, if I walked into Target and they were selling the Odin onesie, I'd be sleeping in it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to get your uh, your racing car bed with the in the shape of Viking ship because the, that'll just complete the look. Uh, again, if it's available, I'm on. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, that that that's okay. a, that'll be my cosplay next year. So I, I guess uh, I guess we could rate this one now. Uh, on the cover, I think it's a pretty good battle scene. I kind of wish that the background extended to the top of it because it almost doesn't look quite right with the banner in the middle where it says the mighty thunder god versus the incredible hulk to have nothing over it except for the title if i I think the background there would have made it better otherwise i think it's a really solid and dynamic cover so i'm going to give it a b plus where i think it could have been an a plus cover if they had done it differently uh, the interior art, I think, is really solid. I don't think there's any artwork in it that particularly bothers me, that I look at as being weak at all. So I'm going to say just a, a plain A on the interior art. The story is fun. It's, again, Silver Age fun. It expands on uh, what we already read. Uh, it's not particularly meaningful as far as progressing the universe, but it's just kind of kind of hitting on what we would just be curious, you know, the who's stronger, the Thor or the Hulk, and it's playing, you know, drawing that out a little bit more. So I'm going to say an A- minus on the story, just because it's not totally organic. Uh, and overall, I'll give the book a, an A-. minus. Well, I agree. <laughs> yes, you, you actually, you, you were already on record with your A-, minus, so we, we, are in, we are in agreement. Um, what, what say you, Doctor Bill? I, uh, I say on the cover, hey, the Hulk's head this looks a tad bit too big. Uh, maybe it's just messed up hair makes it, his head look so big. Uh, but you know, he was a grotesque monster, so I'll I'll let that go. Um, yeah, the big white spot up there doesn't really bug me as much as it bugs you, um, because hey, I'm the one that liked the all white cover on the Thor Vikings issue we did. 
with just Thor's face on it. And um, but um, I give the cover. I give the cover an A minus. Uh, the interior art, yes, is much better than the last book. Um, and it, like you said, it has to be from from the inking here. Um, so for that, the art uh, also, I'll give the art an A minus B plus. And then the story, I had a thought about the story, and now it slipped my mind, and I can't remember what it was. It was something I was going to say that they could have... Oh, I know what I was going to say. You know if they did this today, like if they decided to go back and do this, it would be a three to four issue miniseries about this whole fight. That that just takes place within a span of, you know, like, well, like by the by Odin's time clock, about five minutes and plus the fight before and after this was a 10 minute fight that they they would expand into three or four issues mm-hmm. um so um so for the good story uh for the good telling of the story uh, i'm gonna give it to b plus a minus so i guess i'm right with you guys on this b plus a a minus border okay you know what i just uh, i didn't mention is the way he drew the Hulk in this issue says to me that he is going for the uh, Frankenstein's monster motif here. Especially oh, the sure, one where he's yeah. got the big face and he's like, Aah! like he's jumping at him. Yeah. Well, that, that one, uh, you know, that there's several where, where he's got kind of the elongated face a little bit. Uh, if you go to the page 12, the first panel in particular, Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Ha! Ah, feel the power of Hulk. Down. Bow to your master. <laughs> so suddenly he's Arnold. Come on! No! No! It can't be! You can't lift me off my feet. I'm bigger than you and the Hulk. <laughs> so so much for sixties goodness. Let's let's move forward about three decades it's or so. Why thirty before, years to the future? Future. But, but before before we move thirty years to the future, I, I just have to point out the. Uh, we'll go back the, to the my, past. One of my favorite things about this issue uh, is the last the page of the of the yeah the tales of Asgard story. Just the last panel where you see baby the Loki, little baby Loki, baby Loki <laughs> with the evil look on his face. Even he, then, he's you already got the little, little hair on the side. Yeah, the little... yeah, yeah. That, that's how you know he's evil. With a little devil horn hair. Uh, absolutely. Hear me, legions of Asgard. From oh wait, no, that's 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 your gig. I'm stepping uh, on your territory. Yeah, you're stepping on my gig. <laughs> Get out of here! Get out of here! No, so uh, yeah, so I guess we're moving forward in time a, a bit. Uh, this will be to uh, 1995. So we're talking what 30 years later, 30, 32 years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Mighty Thor, number 489. Uh, Roy Thomas was the writer of this. Emma C. Wyman did the art. Mike DiCarlo did the inks. Phil Felix did the letters. Felix the cat. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Andrew and Becton did the colors. Ralph Macchio, not the Karate Kid, did the uh, editing. And Mark Grunewald, who was also not the Karate Kid, was the editor-in-chief. So... um. Just just to jump in real quick, MC Wyman, do you remember this name, Paul? You should. Do you recognize I, this art? I don't offhand. MC Wyman did Avengers Unplugged. 
Oh. The that first issue that we covered? Yes. Yes. I okay. I don't know if you I, see I was... it in the art now, now that I mention it. Because when I looked at it, I'm like, I know this art, and then I went back to MCY, and I'm like, yeah, that's. And I double checked, and yeah, he 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 did our uh, he did a lot of the Avengers unplugged stuff, which was only six issues. Sorry, sorry, Don. No, no, no problem. Uh, so here. the uh, the cover shows uh, the Hulk and Thor. They're in a loving embrace. Oh wait, no, they're beating <laughs> each other up. Uh, though it does kind of look like they might be making out. Um, the the uh, the Hulk has got his his fists balled up, and he's uh, it looks like he's trying to hammer on Thor and hug him at the same time. Um, uh, one of the things that really strikes me about this cover is that the Thor, uh, uh, sorry, that the Hulk's elbow is actually larger than his face. Um, the, uh, the the two of them are, are scrapping. It looks like on the top of a uh, hill, and there's some sort of uh, white fire coming up from below. Crackle, crackle, crackle. And uh, the cover art is by Wyman and DiCarlo. Um, th- this retailed for a dollar fifty, believe it or not, and people actually bought it. And in the background, you have a, uh, a mysterious face of uh, looks like Hella, and it's obscured Spawn. by the logo. Spawn. Yeah, it does kind of look like Spawn. Um, or Batman or somebody, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's obscured by the logo because poor design. Uh, so um, I'm going to uh, not really go through this page by page because it's a 90s comic. Why would you want to do that? Um, so the story picks up for the previous issue. And just to recap, Hella, the goddess of death, uh, has basically been throwing these giant lizards and monsters onto Earth, and they've been wrecking the place up. And, you know, she doesn't have a lot of motivation because it's a 90s comic. It's because she's evil. It doesn't have to make any sense. So it's the 90s. Um, And uh, Thor is accompanied by Sif and Volstagg and Hogan and Beta Ray Bill and a new superhero team that was created by the High Evolutionary. Um, They're not very important, but I'll mention them a little bit later. But they're so unimportant that you're not really going to miss them if I don't talk about them. They're called the God Pack. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, in order to keep Hela from ravaging the earth with these giant lizards and monsters, Thor makes a deal with her that he is going to be her servant forever in hell. Dun, dun, dun. So, uh, Hela deserves, or Hela agrees to leave the earth alone. Thor goes off with Hela to hell. And... That's the end. No, wait, no. Uh, because we can't... We <laughs> because, of course, we can't just have the hero of the book going off to live in hell forever. Uh, the supporting cast decides to send the Hulk after him and bring him back. Now, this is not the Hulk that we've seen in the last couple of issues because in this era, the Hulk has Bruce Banner's intellect and a pair of spray-on trousers so tight that they admirably show off his shortcomings. That's why they call him the professor. Anyway, so um, uh, so uh, Thor is going off. Not to, to be confused with Professor Middleton. Oh, sorry. Uh, definitely not to be confused with with uh, Professor Middleton. Hey. <laughs> so uh, so meanwhile, um, while this is all going on, 
Um, one of the monsters that, that Hela has had attacking Earth is Curse, who we talked about earlier, uh, created by Walt Simonson. And uh, he was uh, attacking Earth because he thought that Thor was Malekith. It was an illusion that was cast by Hela. Now Curse knows that he's been tricked and he is angry. Uh, so he goes off to find Malekith. And just by happenstance... Malekith happens to be nearby. Yes, it seems that Malekith has been disguised as Jane Foster for the last couple of issues, hanging around in the background waiting for this moment. Um, one of the uh, the God Pack is this guy named Riger, who I guess he has the ability, you know, to enhance senses, that kind of thing, realizes that Jane Foster is dead. Well, not really Jane Foster, but the person who is disguised as Jane Foster doesn't have a heartbeat. Um, manages to expose uh, Malekith, and um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't okay. make a lot of sense, but it's the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I didn't even uh, know that Malekith was sick. Yeah, so uh, Malekith runs away, but uh, Sif reckons that if they can deliver Malekith to Hela, she'll release Thor from her control. Why? That's not made very clear, but uh, Malekith has escaped Hell once, and I'm sure that Hell wants uh, him back. So they send off Curse to recapture the Dark Elf and return him to Hell. Meanwhile, back in Hell, uh, the Hulk makes his way past a, uh, a hand puppet wolf um, and uh, makes his way into Hell where he and Thor face off for about 13 pages of battle. Um, it's Fighty McFightenstein, and uh, as usual, there's a lot of give and take, but no clear winner seems to be coming across. Do you notice a theme here? <laughs> um, I think that Marvel kind of did that. You know, They didn't want to, to really answer the question of which one was stronger. So anyway, they're going back and forth, and, and uh, you know, they, they're pretty evenly matched, and neither one of them seems to be gaining the upper hand. But they do create a lot of property damage, and they even destroy Hela's castle. Um, so uh, and Hela, Hela's response is, "Well, I've got eight more, but you know that kind of sucks." <laughs> so um, at this point, Curse has succeeded in capturing Malekith and returns to uh, Hell with him and offers a trade: Malekith for the Thunder God. Um, and Hell is like, "Like you got to be kidding me!" And so uh, Malekith decides, or so sorry, so Curse, deci- Curse decides to uh, stay on as well so that makes it kind of a two-for-one offer and you have to remember that curse was designed to be twice as strong as thor so because of that um you know Hela's like ooh, a two-for-one offer uh and not one to pass up a bargain uh she accepts curse's offer little uh, subconscious sexism there hey roy um Hela accepts curse's offer sets thor free from his oath to stay with her forever um, which I would also point out also negates her oath not to attack Earth with monsters again. And everybody is happy, uh, except for Malekith, and presumably Jane Foster, who uh, was uh, left sleeping under an enchantment somewhere, random alley or something. And uh, and then all seems to be going really well. The Asgardians are getting ready to go home. The God Pack set off to try and get an on- ongoing series that never happens. And Thor announces that he'll be staying on Earth and not joining any of his friends. So why is this? Well, apparently because of his time in hell, which was apparently mostly spent fighting the Hulk, uh, Thor has decided that he needs to go off 
uh, to Earth and find himself. And um, that makes Odin cry. Actually, so, uh, I thought maybe he was crying because somebody littered in Asgard. <laughs> Actually, the reason I think he's crying is because of the Hawks trousers. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, uh, what I will say about, about this issue is... Um, the, the, what it kind of barely rises above the level of most 1990s comics. This is the height of the extreme 90s. This is, uh, you know, there's a lot worse stuff out there. I think that really what saves this is that Roy Thomas wrote wrote it. Um, you know, Roy Thomas. You know, I've of course been a fan of his forever. He's done some great stuff. Um, now that being said. This isn't up to Roy Thomas's standards on any other book I've ever seen. Uh, it's like Marvel had a some sort of editorial edict: keep it simple-minded, and that's kind of what this is. Um, the, the the spray on trousers, though, you know, you know, that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, I will say, art-wise, you've got some great stuff going on here. Uh, it's not really what you expect me to say about a '90s comic, but. Um, I will say one thing for MC Wyman is that he does have some talent, and I think that being forced, uh, probably by by editorial, to to fit a particular style that's popular, probably hurt his career. Because I, I I don't know that he went on to do anything else, but um, at least not much. Um, um, but yeah, he did a lot of Thor, a uh, cu- couple Avengers. A Fantastic Four, Atlantis Rising. He did an Avengers and Inver- Ultra Force. All the greats. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Avengers Unplugged, one through five. Now I don't know what he looked up. Uh, hold on, let me see. There's another page here. Oh, actually, he did some stuff on um, Silver Surfer, Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he had uh, Namor, uh, Nick Fury, Captain America. Well, that's good. Yeah. He kept kept yeah. busy. Yeah, he was busy in the '90s and the early uh, aughts. Yeah, it's like oh, well, even some stuff on Fear itself. Oh, so that's a little bit more recently. But um, mm-hmm. no, but it, he actually does have some talent. And and you look at some of the backgrounds and some of the the scene work that he's doing, and it's actually pretty cool. They get a a great image here of Hela on um, on page two of of Hela sitting on her throne, and yeah, it's not perfect. I mean, she's got you know boobs bigger than her head but um she's still is that, is that wrong <laughs> is that so wrong no um but the but, size of that melon or melon look at her but but her, her feet are, are about the size of her uh, little <laughs> finger so life felt teeny teeny little feet yeah life felt feet exactly um the the thing that really stands out to me um about about the artwork is you know obviously extreme 90s um everybody has veins popping out all over them um tendons where tendons shouldn't exist like tendons yeah, on the eyeball or something absolutely um one of the things that uh that i have to mention just because i have to mention it is this is possibly the worst ever thor costume um they they've got him in a, a weird get up here where uh, he's got this sort of strap coming down from his neck to his his navel and uh, and apparently scale male pants and, and metal boots, but uh, it looks really uncomfortable, and, and his uh, helmet looks absolutely ri- ridiculous. This is Thor when he in his clubbing years. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I even prefer the uh, the bondage costume that he wore about about three issues after this, um, where where he was kind of in this leather straps for a while. I mean, it was yeah. it was still very much the extreme '90s, but it looked better than this anyway. Um, so, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, extreme '90s. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I go back and forth on the art. Because overall, I kind of like it, but like you said, I, yeah, I don't, I don't care for the Thor outfit. And then there's a couple of images I just don't go for. Uh, on page four, uh, there's the shot where Hela's pointing away, and there's kind of a close-up of Thor's face. Mm -hmm. I think that looks terrible. Yeah, I think Thor's face looks terrible there. Um. Where else was there, there? Is actually a point that, that I should uh, place that I should point out where uh, it's on page eleven, um, where you have uh, it's in the middle of the Thor and and Hulk fight where uh, the Hulk's face is miscolored, um, so it looks as though it's supposed to be Thor speaking, but the words coming out of his mouth are obviously the Hulk's dialogue. So it, it, it's the point where even the editors can't tell who's speaking because of the art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I but there's other images that I think are very good. So, yeah, and it, it looks to me like the inking is a little inconsistent. Sometimes it looks like there's some detail in the back, and other t other shots it looks like they got a little lazy with it. So, well, you know, I think it's a little inconsistent, but I don't think it's bad. I have to give it's, a little props to uh, I think it's page possibly twelve where you've got where Malekith is like hiding in an alley and Curse sneaks up behind him. I think that's drawn a little bit reminiscent of Walt Simonson in mm -hmm. in his style. Bit. Yeah, and, and it, because it sticks out a little different than the other well, other shots in the in the book. Those those two two pages where where Malekith and Curse are, are at. But yeah, there's some that is, some of the proportions are off. But I I still kind of like Wyman's work, though. Yeah, overall I like it. Uh, I just you know, like I said, I just think there's some inconsistencies in the book. But overall, as a general rule, I like it. And when we get to our overall ratings, I'll elaborate on that a little. Uh, you know, the story's okay. It's it's got a lot packed in there. It's a little decompressed. No, actually, it's a little compressed, actually, un unlike the usual 90s stuff. There's a lot mm -hmm. of stuff going on. Uh, on the other hand, the last picture just makes me think somebody littered on the side of the road. <laughs> an Italian guy dressed as an Indian, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, or an it, Italian guy dressed as a Norse guy. The, the, the ending is really abrupt. Um, it, you know, they, they actually wrap this up you know, literally in two pages. And uh, and then they have that little tiny little epilogue at the end, um, and th I believe that this was you know because they're going into the next story arc. There's going to be you know new people on the book. Uh, there's going to be new artists on the book, and they're going to you know have Thor in his bondage outfit after this. Um, so they they had to wrap things up quickly. Um, but I'm I have to say I'm not surprised that the uh, God Pack didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I really, they had such potential. Seriously. I gotta say that that I 
that I like the women's hair in this. You know, they all have those headdresses that push their hair way up in the air. My mm -hmm. wife used to have the big poofy hairstyle back in the nineties. So, so yeah. did everybody who See, was extreme so did hair. All women in, yeah. yeah. So did all women in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, but she wore it good. She looked good with the hair. I think uh, I think Keller looks good in the issue in general. Um, he doesn't do he doesn't do the antlers the way I would prefer to see them, but the, the, he they're more like uh, like antenna in, in the way he does it. But um, yeah, I think that that he does a pretty good job with Hella. Sif looks good. Um, you know, she mm -hmm. she generally looks good. I mean, there's a couple of panels where you can tell her you know her waist is so narrow that there's no way she could possibly have any internal organs, but. You know that that's the that's the '90s for you. Jane Foster's yeah, wearing a really tight sweater too, like really tight sweater. Yeah, considering well, that's Malekith, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah he's, <laughs> so. he's going way out of his way to make himself look good. I don't know. Well, you know, Malekith is kind of that kind of character. Yeah, so. he's a little confused. Uh, yeah, that's, which, I would say. Which team am I playing for today? I don't know. I don't know, but it's fabulous. <laughs> Oh, yes. Anyway. We had to get a voice. <laughs> had to get a voice out of you. Of course you can't you get do. a lava, we can get a voice. <laughs> I was going to say, and oh. now we'll have Tom crying as Odin in dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a... It's just a I will say there's, a, there's this one particular panel here, uh, page, um, page 7... Uh, that that I could have sworn was a Salbu Sema composition, um, the the uh, the shot of uh, of Thor belting the Hulk and him flying back with his mouth open. Mm. You, you don't get too much more Salbu Sema than that. Yeah. All right. So, are we going to grade this puppy? Where where are we going with this one? Well, I'm probably so you're, you're, you're first on the list. I'm probably so. going to give it the, the worst grade. Um, no, it, I think uh, the story-wise, I think the story is saved somewhat by by uh, by Roy Thomas and and that, the fact that he actually can write dialogue. I think if you compare this to some of the other stuff that was coming out at the time, uh, particularly you know the the mainstream Marvel stuff, this is kind of a B-list book at this point. So. Um, but you look at the, the other stuff, the Liefeld stuff, and the and the the Spider-Man that was coming out during this era, and and the writing on those was was pretty uniformly awful. But uh, yeah, I think this is kind of a a little bit above that. Um, but I'm going to still say it's below you know, below the standard that, that I've come to expect from Roy Thomas. I'm definitely going to give it a, a, a C minus to a D for the story. And it is very contrived. It's wrapped up too quickly. There's about as much depth as um, as the Hulk's pants, um, and uh, the art is very uneven. Um, the, I mean, I don't mind that you know so much that you know people have elbows bigger than their head. But it doesn't always. Look, it's not a good look all the time. Um, so I think for the for the art, I'm going to give it a little bit better, um, and say, um, you know, say C minus for for the art and and an overall score of a D. Okay, mm. I think you you may be harshest. I don't know. We'll see where Bill lands. Uh, I think the cover is okay. Uh, it's. You know, not particularly special, not particularly creative. I'm going to say a, a C on the cover. 
the interior What's wrong art. With Hulk's face. <laughs> There's a, there's a voice from the ether. So you, what, how do you rate the cover? <laughs> how big his forehead? What? How big his forehead is that? Well, he's got he does it. He's got fabulous hair. He does have really good hair, but his forehead is like ugh. premature balding Hulk. He's not a fan. Don't laugh at my so hair. He's, Don't laugh at he's my coming, hair. He's coming in. He's coming in under my C on the cover. The I C think. Plus. I came in under C. You're saying that his hair is really good. And I like the text at the top. Okay, there you go. He said C plus. Uh, I'm going C on the cover. The interior art, I think, is a little better. Uh, I think it's a victim of some '90s inking. And I hate to constantly put so much emphasis on the inking, but there's a lot of like cross hatching and stuff that was just very of the time. Uh, so I am going to put some of it on that because I think if you had a, if you had Chick Stone ink it, uh, I think it would be better than it is. So I'm going to say a B minus on the interior art. Uh, and then, as far as the story goes, eh, it's a little confusing for me, but then I'm not that smart. So, I'm going to say a C plus on the story, and I'll give the book overall a C plus. Hmm. Um, yeah, the cover, yeah, uh, like your son, I can't get over the, fo- the Hulk's forehead. It's just huge. Looks like he's got like a... It's a huge head. It's got a huge head. It's like he's getting just like a tightly shaved haircut there at the top. Um, a bit all right. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, mm, uh, oh, uh, that is a weird embrace too that he's in. That's uh, <laughs> I'm like turning my head trying to get my like. Where's shouldn't Thor have another hand somewhere? Uh, you don't want to know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, yeah. So I'm going to go... I'm going to give the cover a C. I mean, I kind of like Wyman. So... Uh, but some of the... You know, there's one panel that sticks out. And... Uh, what is this? Page... Six? Eight? Where the guys figured out that he doesn't have the heartbeat... But they had the close-up when they figured out that Malik doesn't have the heart, or Jane Foster doesn't have a heartbeat, and he's got, and his eyes are turned and looked to to the side. Is it me, or is that like reminiscent of like a lot of Sal Buscema pictures? Yep. Yep. Just those eyes. Yep. Okay, so it wasn't me. I was, I was like, like I've seen that shot before, but granted, it's only a, it's like a little tiny inset. It'd be like. Something you'd see in a movie where they only show somebody's eyes, like in f- framed in black, you know, black at the top and bottom, and they turn and look at someone. So, but um, the art inside, I kind of think that he did a little bit of a Simonson homage on two pages, and but I'm still only I'm going to give it a B minus C plus in the story. Eesh. Mm. Okay, the God Pack. God Pack, baby God Pack. That's where it's at. I got me a God Pack. It's oh, there right. I'm going to. It's a whale. It's about to set sail. Woo! I got me uh, the High yeah. Evolutionary. Seats. Oh. Never mind. I'm I'm falling apart. Just like this story. 
That's where I was going with that. So it's a C minus for the story. So I think this is coming out as a C book for me. I really, really hate Thor's helmet in this. Yeah, it's the worst. I feel like anytime you furrow your brow, you're going to start bleeding at your forehead. <laughs> Ow. Got to gotta remember to keep a neutral face. I can't smile. I can't bra- I can't furrow. Nothing. I like to, I like to furrow. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what you do in your own time, it's up to you. We don't want to know about your furrowing, your burrowing, whatever. And I guess that wraps us up. I guess so. I want to uh, thank you, Tom, for coming aboard. Thanks for having me. It's been, good, been fun. Thanks for being Scott Gardner today. Oh, no. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Scott Harris Gardner. Yes, like you said earlier. I don't like Disney that much. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. You get you get Before, labeled. You, you, you say one bad thing about Epcot and you never live it down. <laughs> or Ekpot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before before we call it a day, why don't you pimp your show a little bit? All right. You can you can hear more of my nonsense over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. I uh, talk about old Thor comics and, and act them out and do silly voices and make fun of them. And uh, sometimes do other stuff, more serious stuff. Uh, do actual Norse mythology, for one. Um, sometimes talk about Hercules and other mythological characters. But, uh, yeah, if um, if you've enjoyed my uh, bad jokes on this show, you might enjoy them over there. So uh, go on over to uh, the podcaster of your choice. Look for uh, Radio Free Asgard, and you will find us. I highly recommend your readings of the mythology, too. Well, thank you very much. Good. I appreciate that. Those are always good. You know, I, as I'm listening driving around hearing you talk about mythology it's a it's a distraction from everyday traffic i've kind of fallen off the radio free asgard bandwagon and i need to hop back on because i i really did enjoy it and i don't know why but it fell off my uh subscribed list and i have no idea why probably, probably, but, probably uh, because i went away for three and a half months maybe that maybe that was it i don't know but uh but now, having had you on again, I've gotten a taste for the show again, and I will be back. Well, thank you very much, and, and uh, you know, hope, hope you have some friends join you. I hope so. Yep. And uh, thanks again, and uh, I guess everybody else will see you next week with some other dopiness that we'll put out for you. Hey, who are you calling dopey? <laughs> if the dopey. dwarf hat fits, wear it. Hey, not a dwarf. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
I must not lose control. David, he, he, he's harmless. Is he prey? I'm sending you back. Give me that hammer. Wait. I won't hurt him. All right, look, you. Blake says that you are wise in many things. But if you show him how to cut the cord that Odin has spun between us... For or if your witchcraft should harm Blake, then I lose my chance to enter Valhalla. And you have never seen anger. He is praying. David, it's okay. Go away. Leave me alone, please. You just don't understand. You don't know what could happen. Please. Go away. Don't push him. Leave you be. Sounds Stop more like it. insult and hospitality. What are you doing, an insult jerk? is something I can always don't understand. Don't make me angry. He's braver than I thought, Blake. Stop it, damn it! Leave me.
For an ugly troll, you're a fighter. I'd be your friend. What do you say? Odin wills it.